It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for Indochino. Well, I love 40s. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number f- 601. That's what it is. 601 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We have team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, about 27 NHL teams. There's a lot of stuff for you to check out. we got a bunch of baseball teams covered, too, if you're getting ready for trade season and free agency season in baseball. Collusion season, maybe we should call it that. Uh, either way, please subscribe, rate, and review to the shows that you want to support on the network. It is very much appreciated, and I thank you in advance for taking the time. All right, on today's show... Who else is just chipper and energized and inspired this beautiful snowy Monday morning after that ridiculous 113-104 Raptors win over the Lakers? I sure am feeling all those things, and I hope you are too, because that was, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, one of the best and most enjoyable regular season Raptors games literally in franchise history. There have been some good ones, no doubt. There was the, you know, the game where they traded Rudy Gay and Amir Johnson had a career high in that same building against the same team back in 2013 uh, when the Raptors beat the Lakers with eight guys. There was, uh, you know, some games during that season. They took on like the OKC Thunder. They ended up losing it, but was still a really great game. I think they had a game in like 2014 or 15 where James Johnson led the Raptors to a win over the San Antonio Spurs. That was very unexpected. 
there have been some great wins. There was the Corey Joseph, you know, buzzer beater. There was there there was the you know blowout of the Cavs on national TV where the bench mob went off. There was Kyle beating the Cavs with a step back jumper. None of them had the sort of fun that this game had attached to it. A lot of those games had real expectations, real you know important you know implications for the standings and all that stuff. This one was just a low stakes, no expectations at all, and really just surprising and inspiring game. What a performance from the Raptors to to pull this out. Uh, I'm going to talk about it just a little bit off the top here. In the second half of the show, or the second two-thirds of the show, I should let you know I'm going to be joined by Lewis Keen, who is a fantastic writer for Real GM and sometimes the New York Times and uh, a whole bunch of different places. He's great, and we talk about the Clippers because that was, I thought, going to be the main story of today, coming off of what I expected to be a loss to the Lakers, was going to be looking ahead to playing Kawhi and the Clippers. So we talked about the Kawhi experience for the Clippers so far, uh, a fun chat with Lewis Keen. Lewis is great. So that's going to come up in just a sec here, but uh, we should definitely dive into this Raptors game and sort of all of the things that went into it that made it such a remarkable, just unbelievably fun, grimy, gutsy, don't underestimate the heart of the champion ass win. Just... I don't even know where to begin with sort of who to just like heap praise on. I suppose we can start with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, who, sorry, not Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was out for this game. That's the crazy thing. And Ibaka, obviously. Um, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. Neither of them shot great. I mean, Fred had a nice night from downtown. He was four of nine, a couple of big pull-up threes. He had 10 assists. He has been great in the assist department lately. And he... You know, even though he didn't shoot terribly well from two-point range, it didn't matter. He was just an orchestrator of the offense that looked comfortable, more at ease, looked quicker than he has all season since the opening night when he when he hurt his ankle. I thought, you know, Avery Bradley, who Jack Armstrong correctly noted on the on the broadcast, fouls on every goddamn play, um, was right in his grill the entire night. And Fred, yeah, there were some possessions where it didn't go super great, but for the most part, he, you know, persevered through that. They did good stuff good stuff to sort of get him different matchups when they could. And it, it was, uh, Fred was fantastic. Pascal Siakam has 24 points on 9 of 25 shooting. This was a shit night for Pascal Siakam by the lofty standards he set so far, and he still finished with 24-11-4 and and three blocks, and his defense in this game against Anthony Davis, against LeBron James, against whoever was near the rim for the Lakers was just... It was inspiring. Like, I keep using the word inspiring. This is what this game was. I maybe want to run through a goddamn wall while I was watching it. And Siakam's defense in the second half in particular, his just dogged determination to grab rebounds as well in a game where the Raptors were really up against it rebounding-wise. I mean, you're up against a team that has a front court of a center, whether it's JaVale or Dwight Howard next to AD and LeBron James. Like, you're at a rebounding disadvantage there. And Siakam sort of led the gang rebounding charge. And, you know, they gave up their, their share of offensive boards, but their defense was just so just tenacious around the basket. They were, com- like, contesting everything, probably got away with some stuff where they maybe should have been called for some fouls around the basket. But a lot of their blocks and stuff were totally clean and... Pascal was a huge part of that, so big credit to him for, you know, on a bad offensive night, A, playing incredible defense, and B, figuring out the spots where he could kind of get his, um, and most of those spots were when Kyle Kuzma was on the floor guarding him. I think the Raptors kind of got bogged down a little bit too much in having Siakam iso Anthony Davis and try to do stuff in that matchup because Anthony Davis is awesome, and instead, you know, Pascal finally found his footing in that third quarter and the fourth quarter when... Kuzma was out there guarding him and had absolutely no chance. And it was uh, real fun, especially considering all of the uh, Kuzma is better than Siakam takes that you see from a certain section of uh, L.A. Lakers internet, which is the entirety of L.A. Lakers internet for the most part. Siakam fucking ruled in this game defensive, defensively in particular in his offense, came through when it needed him, uh, when the Raptors needed him, and it was great. Um, the other guys to really point out in this game, I mean, Norm had a nice game, especially in the first half. He was really one of the only guys able to penetrate. Uh, you know, Fred, I think, kind of found his footing in the second half. The first half, he was really bothered by Avery Bradley and Pat Powell took advantage of, you know, the the opportunity that was afforded him with the start and some chances to sort of attack defenses that weren't ready for him. And, you know, he, he got into the paint pretty capably. He only had one turnover in this game, had a couple assists, and I think he had a couple plays as well that should have been assists after really nice dishes that didn't quite pan out. But uh, a really nice, in-control 
and tidy game from Norm. So that was nice to see a couple nice games from him in a row now, and hopefully he can string together some good performances here because they're going to need him. Uh, but they're going to need him a lot less than I thought they were going to if the bench plays the way it did last night. I mean, holy God, Chris Boucher at 15 points, Rondé with 10 points in his first real action with the team. Terrence Davis was... Probably the most exciting of the bench guys in this game. There were sections of this game where the Lakers just had no answer for his first step. And him sort of carving into the defense. He had three assists in this one. A couple beautiful dump-off passes to Rondé. I think Boucher as well. And his comfort with the ball in his hands was really encouraging considering the lack of point guard depth right now in the team and how creative Nick Nurse had to get last night with Siakam playing point guard a little bit in some lineups and frankly those lineups were awesome when he was playing with the bench um there I think that one point they rolled out a Siakam Davis Thomas Rondé Boucher lineup and it worked and that that shouldn't have worked but it did and that's a credit to not only Siakam but to Terrence Davis for having the the juice to to have the ball in his hands and make some good things happen with it he was happy to you know bomb some threes away too I think a couple pull-ups a couple corner threes he was three of five from downtown and I I was just blown away with Terrence Davis obviously he had the putback dunk too which was part of that fourth quarter run where the Raptors defense was so nasty around the around the basket around the rim just like swatting everything contesting everything and turning it into really fast transition opportunities and that was what broke the game open they went up i think 111 101 or something like that after one of those crazy runs where the defense was turning into offense and i mean with the half court offense looking a little bit shaky last night that was the way to do it and they're so devastating in transition just having siakam siakam is a transition offense unto his own and it was uh, just my god i, I can't get over the bench guys they were so good Boucher in particular I thought his defense in this one you know every, every the criticism of Chris Boucher's defense is that he's sort of you know a, a showy shot blocker he's someone who is out of position a lot and has to make up for it with those big fancy blocks he was in position in this one he was great and I thought his in particular timing on the double teams he was bringing to Anthony Davis were just essential to what the Raptors did in this one you know, I think the Raptors were playing the percentages a little bit. They were okay with even LeBron and like Avery Bradley and sort of the guys and, and sleeper agent Danny Green, who was 0-5 from three in this game, or uh, 4 from three, 0-5 overall. You know, I think maybe they were sort of playing the percentages and thought, okay, we could have Anthony Davis post us up where it's probably not going to go well, and maybe he's going to get Siakam into foul trouble or whoever's guarding him into foul trouble. Let's instead send the double and force Davis to make those passes, which he's not LeBron passing out of the post. And I'm surprised they didn't sort of make that adjustment a little bit. The Lakers didn't uh, in terms of having LeBron post up more. They had a lot of AD posts up in this one, and the Raptors did a really good job of, of making that not an easy source of, you know, swinging around for an open three for the Lakers. I think Boucher's length and his timing on those doubles really fucked with AD a little bit. And it was really cool to see Boucher play that kind of team defense as opposed to sort of doing the isolation defense that he typically does where he's sort of hovering in his own world, you know, blocking shots and jumping around and being a lunatic. Um, He was a lot more controlled in this game and sort of saved those bursts of lunacy for when it was really needed around the basket. Um, I also thought him on offense, you know, the the, the three he hit was just, it brought the freaking roof down in, in my living room at least. And he was great around the basket, obviously. A couple nice dump offs here and there uh, I think he you know battled through contact on a couple to get and ones I think he missed the free throws but he you know he got them anyway um but the thing with Boucher is he runs the floor like a lunatic and if you're trying to sort of recreate the best elements of past Raptors benches it's always the fact that they have a mobile big who can sprint the floor and Ibaka is not really that guy I mean he's been pretty bouncy so far this season and he is kind of that but also you're able to run a bit more of a traditional half-court offense when you have Ibaka and he's a great pick-and-pop threat and a great role man and stuff like that you don't need to worry about manufacturing buckets on the run Boucher was just out there just sprinting back and forth non-stop and, and that was just such a I think difficult thing for the Lakers to deal with. There's sort of older legs in a lot of their guys, JaVale and Dwight and and LeBron. I feel like they weren't really ready for the speed that the bench guys brought for the Raptors. And uh, Boucher was a big part of that. And Rondé, man, like Rondé, 
I was skeptical because Nick Nurse said he didn't trust him. And honestly, if Nick Nurse says something at this point, I'll just believe him because he's, he's just apparently uh, he can do no wrong. He can't even get coaches challenges wrong now uh, after getting one right last night for the first time. And then in one of the best moments of the season and just sort of adding to the richness of this game, hugging the dudes on the bench and hugging the the random ass Laker fan. That was great. I And the way that, you know, he spoke about Rondé really made me skeptical. And maybe we should have been asking Nurse why Rondé wasn't playing a little bit more because he came in, it was just like an instant spark plug and sort of that chaos that he brings in a way that, you know, even though Patrick McCaw has the agent of chaos nickname for some reason, I don't know why, um, it really applies to Rondé. He's so kooky and weird and sort of off kilter. He's sort of like a power forward to Lon Wright in that way where he all of his movements are kind of counter to what, are typical from a guy playing that position, but it worked and he was so just energetic. And I mean, the touch he had around the basket was really nice too. I mean, I don't think he's going to be hitting mid range jumpers the way he did a couple times in this one, you know, on a regular basis, but it was necessary in this one. And he was great. And his defense, I mean, he's, if there's one thing that's not, not even a question about him in terms of his NBA skills, it's his defense. He was fucking fantastic last night. And I think you know, if you're looking at how this rotation is going to play out as they deal with these injuries to Lowry and Ibaka, Hollis Jefferson just has to be in there. I think all the guys who played heavy minutes last night, Davis, Thomas, Rondé, and Boucher, like none of them did anything wrong to, uh, I think, dissuade Nick Nurse from using them going forward. And, and Rondé in particular, I think, is kind of interesting in how they can use him. They can probably use him as a five if you don't want to have Siakam play the five nominally, um, but you want to go smaller a little bit here, or you're worried about Boucher in a certain matchup, whether it's a muscle type thing, uh, he just doesn't have the strength to deal with a matchup, or he's just having one of those nights where he's jacking up a bunch of shots and missing and not really playing within the, the system of the team, you could probably roll Rondé out there at center a little bit and have like a Rondé Siakam OG 3-4-5 that can switch everything and is going to be a real nightmare to play against. I, I kind of like the idea of that. Um, or you can you, you could even get super weird and go like Boucher, Rondé, Siakam OG, go super big and insanely switchy. And maybe you have some good results with that. I mean, this is going to be a time where Nick Nurse has to be creative. And before I get to the chat with Lewis Keane, we can kind of leave on this Nick Nurse was amazing in this game he did such a good job of you know identifying where the Lakers were going to hurt them by Anthony Davis mostly uh and then I think just sort of he, he rolled out a couple zone defenses he mixed up the rotations in a really interesting way he I think as the game went on they started to find ways to get Siakam mismatches a little bit more I thought Nurse coached an, a fantastic game in this one and he deserves a lot of credit for the win just uh, again can't speak highly enough of this win such a fun win I mean I can't remember many more enjoyable wins than this one I think probably that win against the Warriors last year on the road without Kawhi is also up there same with that Clippers win without Kawhi when they went back to back without him um like those were two pretty amazing wins but I I I, I'm really at a loss for words of what we just witnessed last night man it was just so fun and look there are probably going to be struggles coming forward here there's they're they're not going to have the nights where you know, Rondé and Boucher and Davis and Thomas combined for 43 points. Those guys are going to struggle at times. Those guys are not all totally reliable just yet. Or maybe they are. Who knows? Maybe the, the, the switch has flipped and they're going to be fantastic and the Raptors are going to come out of these injuries with a 12-man rotation where, the, you know, Nick Nurse has too many guys he trusts. But um, I, I think, you know, this game, even if things go off the rails here, here over the next couple of games, going two and three, on this road trip at the very worst is already a success. It's already a win. And, you know, any win you pick up without Kyle and Ibaka is going to be a bonus, especially against a team like the Lakers. This is their best win of the season by far against the best team they've played in terms of, you know, overall just standing within the league at the time of playing them. Um, this this has been the game. So I, I, I'm just, I'm blown away. Really, really just like, I don't want to say proud because that's weird, but like just glowing with, inspiration and excitement and happiness at what the Raptors did last night. Just a beautiful, beautiful game. And I just can't say enough good things about the absolute units that make up this team. Just a team of grimy bastards who somehow were able to pull a win out of their ass last night. And and look, it's probably going to be ugly against the Clippers tonight. I don't imagine the bench is going to hold up quite as well. Um, you know, the Lakers roll out a pretty ass bench, whereas the Clippers have Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell just destroying people with their bench. So uh, we'll see if the Raptors can manage that 
at all tonight. Maybe Terrence Davis can be a Lou Williams stopper. That would be fun. Who knows? So, and on that note, uh, let's get now to my conversation with Lewis Keene from, as I mentioned, the uh, Real GM and the New York Times sometimes, and his unstatable newsletter, which is fantastic, at this Lewis on Twitter. Lewis is great. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with myself and Lewis Keene teeing up tonight's Raptors-Clippers game. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, joining me now on Locked on Raptors is a writer for Real GM and the Unstatable Newsletter and sometimes the New York Times and a whole bunch of other places, the most relaxed man on the internet. It's Lewis Keene. Lewis, how are you? I'm feeling pretty relaxed, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kawhi Leonard plays for the team you like, so how could you not be relaxed? He's the best. (laughs) The way it works for me now... The Clippers were beating Portland the other day by six, by four. Then they were down two, they're down four. And I'm like, all right, we're keeping them in it. And then my (laughs) friend was like, they're keeping us in it. I was like, yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) And they just need to be within striking range and then just assume an 18-point fourth quarter is going to happen. But I'm not going to rub this in any Raptors fans' uh, grill, but I'm sure you know how it is. No, I I mean, I'm glad to hear that's still going on. There was a game last year when they were playing Portland, and they ended up losing it, but they were down like 16 with, I think, like four, four and a half minutes left, and Kawhi essentially brought them back. I think he missed the game-winning shot at the buzzer, but it was pretty much all him. He hit like five straight threes or something absurd like that. Um, over the final few minutes, that, that that was so. I'm not surprised to hear that's sort of the experience that you're also feeling with him. He's, I, I'm honestly, I'm sad he's not on the Raptors. I'm glad Clippers fans get to watch him because he's just so damn special, and it's you know it's, it's something that should be shared. It's, it's socialism, basketball socialism. Everyone should get a piece of Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> We also shouldn't discount the possibility that it's just a Portland thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Portland that's doing this to, to make players look better. But, uh, no, it's, 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 there's a different kind of, like, relaxation, just feeling chill. Mm-hmm. And, like, even if they don't win, I sort of assume that it's just because the Kawhi didn't really care that much. Yeah. Um, and you saw, I don't know if you saw Nick Nurse said today, he's like, at a certain point, I, I realize he isn't actually playing as hard as he can, <laughs> and either he's just never going to play as hard as he can, or at some point he'll flip a switch, and he did the latter, but it, I've kind of noticed the same thing, where it's like, it seems like when he just like kind of wants to take the ball from <laughs> Rodney Hood, or whoever has the ball, like he sort of just can, mm-hmm. and I think the other players on the court kind of sense that, too, and are just sort of dreading that uh, occurring at some point and kind of hope that never comes, but it's been happening so far, so (laughs) yeah, it's been enjoyable. And then Paul George should be coming back on Monday. Yeah, actually, just as we record, news dropped that he's been ruled out for Monday's game, um, but should be back soon. Oh, okay. Which doesn't hurt. It's, it's, I mean, I would have not hated to watch Paul George play basketball, but I'm all right saving it for a night where the Raptors aren't on a back-to-back with uh, five players that Nick Nurse likes. <laughs> so that is uh, some news to pass along. You'll have already heard by the time you listen to this. I, uh, I wanted to have you on, Lewis, because this whole... 
Kawhi thing this year. It's so fascinating to me, just sort of the experience from someone who's going through it for the first time the way Raptors fans did last year. Um, I guess on the note of sort of the relaxation and the the calm that he brings, what is the sort of comparison to watching this team? And I know it's very early on, and it doesn't have the baggage that the Lob City teams had, but is there any sort of, like, very clear difference to you in terms of just, like, the feeling around the teams? Cause it, uh, by the end of those Lob City teams, as good as they were, it felt like everyone was just kind of tired and kind of hated the entire thing, even though they were very good. Is that, like, completely eradicated now that, that this whole new era has kind of come around? Yes, but I think a lot of it was eradicated last year. I, there's always been a sense of Clipper dread predating the Lob City era, you know, we had Sean Livingston, and then he blew out his knee. Uh, we had a great Elton Brand team, and then he left in free agency, and we were stuck with overweight Baron Davis. <laughs> uh, there's always been a, a, you know, impending sense of gloom or, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, but I think that went away last year with that team that really wasn't expected to compete at all. Um, especially because they were conveying a lottery-protected pick to the Celtics at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they just made the playoffs and forfeited that pick. Like, it didn't matter. Um, and I think that sort of karma and um, just a sense of it's a 48-minute game and we can beat teams, even if we don't necessarily match up that well against them or even if they're better than us on paper, which totally inverted what the Lob City era team was, which Mm was we're pretty good and we can hang with any team. We have the best starting five in basketball, but something will go wrong. Um, And so now Kawhi and Paul George have arrived without that sort of baggage lingering around the team because of what Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Harrell, uh, a bunch of other guys that have been on the team for the last year and a half or so uh i guess with the, the karma that they vacated mm. <laughs> uh to make it possible for another team another you know superstar guy come in and play without that hangover his head yeah that makes sense um yeah that that clippers team last year reminded me of like those early raptors teams when they first got good like the 2013-14 team and i think that raptors team probably was a little bit more like top end talented with kyle and demar but Still similar sort of, like, no expectation, using this as, like, a way to, like, build winning culture and all those fancy things. And ultimately, when you do bow out in the first round, you can't ultimately be that mad about it as much as Paul Pierce uh, can go kick rocks. Like, I'm never, I'm not mad about that that loss to the Nets in 2014, as I'm sure Clippers fans are, you know, I can't imagine there's any way to even be a little bit upset about the loss to the Warriors in six, considering what came next for them. And so, uh, I don't know. The Clippers have always been a team I've kind of sympathized with. I love those teams, the the Lob City teams, in a way that I think a lot of people sort of missed out on. I, like, Chris Paul yeah. rules. Like, Chris, Chris Paul was awesome, objectively. I don't know how... I, maybe this is just because I also root for a point guard who screams at referees, but I've never viewed that as a problem. <laughs> and so, I never had an issue with Chris Paul. And I, I so my, this is all me saying I'm not mad at all that Kawhi left. I'm happy he went to a nice place. I'm definitely not at all seething or thinking about my ex as the Raptors are set to play the Clippers for the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the the big difference with what the Clippers have this year and what I'm thinking about as the Raptor fan experience now is they the Clippers traded their brightest prospect in order to make Kawhi Leonard happen and you know I've been watching a little bit of Raptors uh, this year and it's still really fun I mean I don't know if you would describe this as kind of the charmed season for you guys Um, you know but but the way I see it 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 looks like the pressure is off Mm -hmm. and your best player is still getting better Uh, the spot that uh, you know the minutes that Kawhi made available have now been occupied by a new player who you always liked, who's now breaking out. Um, and Kyle Lowry's still there, 
Marcus is still there, and you know Marcus all could have been faded for this, uh, uh, you know, declasse end of career, you know, flame out with some shitty Sacramento Kings team. <laughs> uh, but instead, he's he's just this cool uh, champagne drinking uh, elder statesman who's just kind of playing the minutes he feels like playing and fitting in well on a team and and on a team that's playing pretty well mm-hmm. and the clippers went all in so if, if theoretically um if, if let's say hypothetically actually that Kawhi left after next season uh you know and and uh and paul george left too they, if they both opt out and, and leave which i i don't think is going to happen but they would not be left with Shea Gilgis Alexander to for for Clipper fans to still be excited about, um, and that's been the biggest adjustment, of, at least for me as a fan, is not having the quintessentially Clipper fan experience of being all in on a young player and and his development um, as being the key to the future. Mm-hmm. And right now. I'm just thinking about whether we're going to win this year and or next year. And if we don't, then that's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's That's been the biggest adjustment for me. Yeah, that's got to be a... And this was kind of the situation with the Raptors last year. Obviously, even more accelerated with it just being mm-hmm. one year. But as much as last year ruled and was just the most fun I've ever had as, as a sports fan... There was so much hanging over that season when you trade away a guy like DeMar, who was not Shea Gildas-Alexander in terms of, like, um, like their standing within the league at the time they were traded, but kind of a similar mm-hmm. idea, you know, to do something like that where, you know, where the Clippers mortgage their future, the Raptors sort of mortgage their souls a little bit, and... Mm-hmm. If it didn't end the way it did, I think there would be a lot of disappointment. And obviously, you still make the trade because it puts you in a position to have it end the way it did, even if it hadn't. But the the pressure of last year was a lot. And you totally hit the nail on the head. This is, I've called it the Hakuna Matata season. I don't give a shit what happens with the team this year. Like, as long as they don't trade Kyle coldly on a February afternoon while they're on the road and he goes and just plays for the Nuggets or something and that's it with Kyle... Mm -hmm. I've really gotten all I need out of this season, and the fact that Pascal has become whatever the hell he's become, and OG, like you said, has sort of taken that vacuum of minutes left behind by Kawhi and just ran with them in a way that I don't really think anyone expected coming in. It has just added to that whole joy element of this season, which was not there last year because there was so much pressure and so much, you know, like every single loss felt like it was... Yeah, eggshells, and it felt like every single loss was, you know, one percentage point more that Kawhi was going to leave. Or it felt like every time a reporter asked a stupid question in a press conference, it was one percent more that he was going to leave. It it was, the entire thing was a very strange sensation that I I, I guess Clippers fans are going through now, even though it seems more likely that he'll stick around long term. I don't think you can have any sort of certainty in this NBA. I mean, who knows what the hell will happen over the next couple of years. Uh, right. Is there, with the Shea thing, I know Clippers fans adored him. I uh, am recording this in his hometown. I, I love Shea as well. I, he's fantastic. And seeing him sort of blossom with OKC has been has been great. Are you, like, what's your level of concern that that trade will ultimately kind of be a bummer when you look back on it is it just like it got Kawhi here so who cares whatever it took is fine or is there any sort of kernel of wistfulness for Shea Gildas Alexander to be on the team as opposed to Paul George and I guess maybe that's not an option because maybe Kawhi's on the Lakers if Shea's still on the on the Clippers but I don't know like how does that trade sort of sitting with Clippers fans as you've seen Shea play the way he has so far this year well yeah they're trying to convince us that we wouldn't have Kawhi if they didn't ship off uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and five first round picks to Oklahoma City for Paul George. I don't know how much I buy that, <laughs> uh, but that they're definitely trying. They're trying real hard to convince us, even before the season started. And, and any time they bring it up, 
that, oh, you know, we had to do it to get both because Kawhi pointed at a name on the wall and said, that's Paul George, that's who I want to play with. Every time they, they bring that up, it feels like a little bit less plausible and it feels like <laughs> more and more just hedging against blowback for this trade. Um, and I think even, like, I, I drafted SGA, like, in the fourth round in Fantasy Leagues this year. I thought he was going to be really good. I did not think he was going to be this good this this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, I mean, it was a bummer this day that it happened uh, because my vision as a fan last season was this team is so good, if we just plug in Kawhi, that's that's all we need. Um, and so, I mean, and even as the season has played out so far, it's been like, we haven't had Paul George for a single game, and it looks like we'd totally be fine without him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the thing is, uh, Paul George is an excellent basketball player, <laughs> and I'm still really excited to see him play. Yeah, And ultimately, it's about it's about where these guys want to play. You know, as long as you, if you keep the perspective that people should be able to work where they want Mm -hmm. and should be able to sort of have control over their own destiny, then, then it kind of takes back a little bit from what you wanted to see as a fan. Uh, And the fact of the matter is SGA wouldn't be averaging 23 points in LA if Mm -hmm. he was still here. And he'll get to more fully realize his potential there. It's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a uh, an alternate alternate history of what would have happened if Chris Paul hadn't been traded to the Clippers a season into Blake's career because Blake was this you know wild animal who, who could have turned out to be anything. And as soon as uh, Chris Paul came in, it was very strictly regimented what kind of player he could be. What he what uh, skills he needed to develop and his uh, his freedom to m- make mistakes was entirely uh, compromised. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of happy for SGA that he's getting to play on this Clippers Midwest team of <laughs> Danilo Gallinari, Chris Paul, SGA, and who knows? Maybe they'll uh, you know sign Luke Richard Bob Lute out of retirement <laughs> halfway through the season, you know, or, or whatever it may be. But, you know, you kind of have to be happy that he's going to be able to, to fully realize his potential, even if he's not going to be doing it for your team. And that's why fantasy sports exist, so that you can draft these guys and, yeah. <laughs> and still kind of be able to root for them. <laughs> that's never really why I've considered why fantasy sports exist, but now I think that's the best the best reason for fantasy sports existing that I've ever heard. So, thanks for that. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How, how concerned are you about about the the Kyle and Ibaka injuries? Uh, you know, affecting the long term, uh, you know, roster plans for the team. I don't really think it's going to change anything. I mean, Kyle's going to be out like a couple weeks, so I don't think it's going to yeah. be, you know, like a crazy two-month absence where things completely go in the toilet. I think if they even, like, tread water and go slightly below 500 for the next few weeks, the East is still shitty enough that they can make those wins back up at the back end pretty yeah. easily. And then with Ibaka, yeah, it's a bummer, but I think it might sort of illuminate how important he is to them doing something this year if they want to do something this year. And I think there's a lot of value in, you know, with the way Pascal and OG have played so far, I think there's a lot of value in getting those guys into another playoff environment and not just sort of getting to the deadline and saying, all right, well, we tried and, you know, we're five games over 500. That's not good enough. Let's trade guys. I think 
the East is such that they are going to be in the running for a home court spot. If not, they'll be fifth, and you know they'll, they'll have a puncher's chance of beating whoever they come across, whether it's Boston or Miami or Philly or whoever ends up there. And so, no, I, I don't think this changes anything at all. I think the first eight games were good enough and showed enough with Pascal and OG to sort of dispel any thoughts of them making moves this uh, this this year in terms of selling guys mm-hmm. off. Um, I know that's not good for the transaction industrial complex, and the, the Raptors <laughs> seem to be the team that everybody you know is kind of waiting for to make moves, but I, uh, I kind of think they're going to disappoint Brian Windhorst. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And me. And, and you. A lot of, I mean, not that I expected uh, Marcus Hall to move, because I sort of always thought that this team was fine. Like, I did yeah. not think the Raptors were going to be like an 11 seed or something like that. Uh, but the Clippers definitely need somebody to guard Joel Embiid yeah. or Anthony Davis. And the, it's a Zubats, you know, a lot of people like him. He can't <laughs> guard Joel Embiid. I mean, that's, uh, that's you know, <laughs> let's, let's be realistic here. Uh, and Aaron Baines, somebody who, you know, maybe they could have snagged, is now the best center in the NBA or something. <laughs> so they're not going to get him. And uh, Jason Collins has been out of the NBA for a decade, so they can't get him. Uh, I don't know who who is going to be the, the big man that the Clippers go after to, to give fouls uh, to these all-NBA guys, but uh, it's not going to be Marcus All, uh, and it's not going to be Al Horford, obviously. Uh, so I don't know who it's going to be. The Gasol thing... The big question mark hanging over our season. Yeah, the Gasol thing is interesting because he's probably like the least sexy trade asset based on how he started out of Kyle, Serge, and him. Like the three guys who you figure would get traded if they were going down that road. But he also might be the guy who would like cause the biggest bidding war because of the one mm-hmm. specific thing he does so well. And I could see, like, Boston or Milwaukee or any team that has a chance of playing the Sixers just getting a little crazy for that one skill he has. And right. maybe that compels the Raptors to do something. I just I don't really see it. I, unless, like, Chris Boucher really shows out while Ibaka's hurt and they think, okay, maybe we can just have Ibaka and Boucher be our centers, then maybe that that sort of changes their thinking. But also, Gasol, even though he's been kind of shit offensively, he's still got the best net rating on the team by a lot. And they're still just, like, wiping the floor with people when he's on the floor. So I don't think they're going to be super itching to move him uh, anytime soon. And, I, I, like, unless... It, it, there might be a crazy bidding war. I just I don't think... And maybe this goes worse than I think it's going to with without Serge and Kyle, and we're about to see. We're recording this like ten minutes before the Raptors and Lakers tip off, and you know maybe this will be sign one that things are going to go well off the rails here. But I kind of think like Pascal and OG and Fred and the rest of the four guys that Nick Nurse can rely on right now are going to at least help tread water a little bit. Lewis, before we wrap up, uh, do you have any like fun early Kawhi anecdotes? from covering him. I know he's like a weird guy to cover because he's kind of cloistered a little bit and everyone's kind of fighting for the exact same morsels he gives out, but do you have any early fun Kawhi stories? Uh, I thought, well, I was just at practice the other day, or yesterday, uh, and I, the thing I've taken with him is that sometimes he just he doesn't give you anything and just kind of gives you these boilerplate quotes. Mm-hmm. But other times he's like very revealing. And in both of those scenarios, he sounds exactly the same. <laughs> so you have to like be listening very carefully because he'll just sort of monotone something very profound. And, and <laughs> if you're not really paying attention to it, you won't see that he's really expounding on the meaning of life. But in other times, he'll just say that we're, we're trying to get better every day. And, you know, I wanted to team up with Paul George because he's good at basketball. And if you're not paying attention, then you'll, you'll totally miss it. But yesterday, I thought the, the Toronto media that, that's in town, they asked him some pretty good questions mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, whether 
the Philly or the the Toronto fans or Toronto natives or Canada natives who live in LA have come up to him, and he was you know he gave some like really not necessarily insightful but just kind of revealing answers uh, about you know the way he sees the world and the experience that he has as a superstar player. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's unique about him is he does not betray. Uh, that he's thinking any differently from one question to that. <laughs> but it, it's early, so you know maybe I'll have a better story for you uh, at Game 60. No, man, that, that that sounds like everything that happened with him last year. It, it was never really expected when he'd have those little flourishes of personality that would sort of pop in. And I guess, like, in a way, everything he does is his personality, and he's so authentic all the time, um, which makes him super mm-hmm. endearing, but... You know, th- those little sort of moments where he'd kind of pop and kind of play with it a little bit, those were rare, to be sure, but you'd live for that shit. Because he's... Everything he sort of puts out is so calculated and understated that you're just like... it's. I liken it to, like, you're watching Jurassic Park and you're waiting to see the T-Rex for an hour and a half and you're just like, oh my god, what yeah. are we going to say? And it's just like the anticipation is very Spielbergian in that way where it's just like at some point here we're going to get through all this mud where he waits an hour to come out after a game to do his little presser and he's taking his sweet ass time and he's not giving us much but there's going to be some kernel in there that's going to be great and we can run with it and then you know New Balance can make a shirt out of it or something like that <laughs> and uh, exactly, I was, yeah. exactly what I was going to say yeah like, as soon as he says anything that's just like outside of you know, outside of the norm, it's like immediately memed by like, and turned into New Balance uh, <laughs> merchandise. Uh, let me ask you one thing before we go. Yeah. Does the Giannis to, to, to Toronto thing, does it feel, how does it feel as a someone who saw the whole league covet your best player yeah. uh, last season? Now you guys have a, have a star that you're targeting that is quote you know quote unquote someone else's uh does that feel like kind of cognitive dissonance or does it feel like revenge like explain to me your mindset and being excited about the potential of Giannis going to Toronto that's a good question I haven't really thought about it in that lens comparing it to last year I, I mean we were kind of it was never going to be something where we could resist the fawning over Kawhi by other teams. I mean, like, the Clippers were literally stalking <laughs> Raptors games, and it, I think it was just kind of something we lived yeah. with, and I don't know if we really sort of thought about what it would seem like from the other side. And so I think, I mean, first of all, the Giannis to Toronto thing started off as, like, a joke between, like, Raptors internet people and has become, like, a legit thing, and I'm not sure if they're going to actually pull it off, but I wouldn't put it, you know, by Masai pulling this off, because Masai is the best person at his job in the world, probably, and has a relationship with Giannis, and the Raptors also have a pretty good infrastructure to build around if you're a guy looking for, you know, perfect teammates to go win titles with. Why not the... 6'8 forward who averages 28 a game on 63% true shooting and the 6'8 forward who is one of the best defenders in the world. Like, that seems like an alright place to go. Mm-hmm. And so it's become something, you know, with that Hollinger report and stuff where it's a lot more real. And honestly, I think Raptors fans have kind of, with the title, adopted a bit of an arrogance, which is long overdue considering how insecure Raptors fans have always been. And so I think people are very much leaning into the, yeah, no, we're getting Giannis, sorry, Milwaukee, and just in like almost like spamming Milwaukee people, just, just trolling about it. And I, honestly, I'm cool with it. <laughs> it, it, it happened yeah. to us. It, 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 it's the circle of free agency. Again, the transaction industrial complex at work, um, and that's just part of the deal. Sometimes you're going to be on one end of it, sometimes you're on the other, and the Raptors are – Hopefully on the on the winning end of it this time, which would be yeah. very very cool and would quickly a sort of help move on from the loss of Kawhi pretty pretty swiftly and also I think kind of be an ultimate sort of feather in Kawhi's cap that he have elevated the franchise to the point where they could put themselves in a room with Giannis if it were to come happen like that would be sort of a retroactive legacy mm-hmm. add to him which would be kind of cool so yeah. Yeah, 
So fuck it. Uh, yeah, Giannis to Toronto. Say my uh, <laughs> edible story. Oh yeah, you have an edible story. Here's my edible story. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if it was it wasn't gummies. It was like a Jolly Rancher, I think, uh-huh. that I took on a plane, <laughs> like just as like we boarded, but passing passing seatbelts. Did Tyler Hero give it to you? Did, did Tyler Hero give this to you? No. <laughs> Is it Tyler Hero? Is that the official? No, I think that was just the the, the, okay. the funniest yeah, possible answer. Butlers, but I, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, it's Eric Spolstra clearly gave it to him. Uh, so he wouldn't have to play him for 10 more games. Uh, it was an inside job. Uh, I took a, I took a Jolly Rancher, I think, uh, uh, while waiting for my plane to take off. And we got stuck on the tarmac for like 90 minutes. <laughs> the entire duration. I was freaking out. <laughs> but at least I could text people, so it was fine. That's the whole story. That's a... Uh... <laughs> Logical place to leave this off, Lewis. I, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we yeah. can do it again. I mean, the Clippers play the Raptors in December for the return games. So maybe we can catch up then. Uh, that would be fun. Yes. Until then, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, I'm on the, I'm on Twitter, at this Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, and uh, I just... Uh, got something up on Inside Hook about uh, Matisse Thibel, who is definitely up there with Ogia Anunobu as one of the best defenders in the NBA. Uh, and I'm up at Real GM, and uh, definitely hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's why I'm promoting most aggressively these days. Uh, and definitely, definitely uh, subscribe to my newsletter, Unstatable, um, which is uh, unstatable.substack.com. It's free, and it's uh, NBA newsletter for everyone except Laker fans, and uh, <laughs> it's something that, uh, if you're a Kawhi fan, you can enjoy. My last thing was about why Kawhi Leonard follows uh, Jamal Crawford on Twitter and nobody else, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so thanks, and I, and I always engage back, so if you email me, I will email you back, and uh, shout out to Toronto, shout out to Canada, everyone else who listens to this podcast. Uh, I'm here for you guys. Follow Lewis. Lewis is good at Twitter. Uh, doesn't have enough followers. This is a recurring Corbin Smith bit, but he's right about something. This is the one thing he's right about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, follow Corbin too, if you don't already. Yeah, Corbin's fine. Uh, <laughs> also former guest of this show way back in the day. My God, so long ago. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. Lewis, thanks for coming on, man. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can still pick up We the Champs on bookshelves if you would like to pick it up as a stocking stuffer or just a full-on gift for somebody for the holidays. There's an idea right there. Uh, Very much appreciated if you do that and support Alex and I. And that's going to do it. I'll be back again on Tuesday to talk about the Clippers game and so much more. And I'll talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.